You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Brown, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into the episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. We have a very special guest joining us on Panthers on Tap. He's become a fan favorite and a pretty darn good center. Bradley Bozeman joins us now on the Panthers on Tap podcast. Bradley, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for taking the time with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So did you get away at all for the bye week? Oh, we did. We had we had an amazing time. Uh, we have this little place up in the Adirondack Mountain, uh, and it's al- almost in Canada. So no, there's um, no cell service. Um, running. Luckily, we had running water this time, uh, and everything runs on generators. So we were up there for six days. Got away. It snowed. It was it was a great time. Rode some four wheelers. Just kind of hung out. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. Before we get into some of the football questions here, I want to start with something we know that's near and dear to your heart, and that's the Bozeman Foundation. Kind of tell us how that all got started. Yeah, so back in 2018 or 2017, uh, we uh, were asked to come to this school um, and talk to this girl about about bullying uh, or that was getting bullied. Um, she was a, a she was simply getting bullied because of her race. She was everything I'd want my daughter to be. She was smart. She was athletic she was beautiful she was pretty you know she was just this all-around great kid it was just simply her race she was getting picked on for so we get out of the school and we're just going to talk to the girl um and the principal shows up and said hey we're gonna uh we did a whole assembly for you to talk or you and your wife to talk um you guys would you mind doing that and if you guys would have known me at the time it's like i'm typical like sweaty hands like stumbling over my words like just terrible public speaker but my wife she's a social butterfly great public speaker um, and Nikki's like, absolutely. Right. Like we'll, we'll do it. And I'm sitting there like, no way. Like, I, like we can't do that. <laughs> but we ended up doing it. We got in, uh, started talking and, and the words started flowing the emotions started rolling. Um, you know, it, it was just, it was just amazing, um, event in our lives that really sparked for us and wanted us to, to really hit this, um, you know, just put our nose to the ground and start working on it. Uh, so we started there. We've talked to over a hundred thousand kids uh, up to this point. We've done a cross country trip uh, from Maryland down to Alabama, Georgia, across the southern states, up to California, and coming back. And uh, from there, we were shut down by COVID. Um, you know, we're we're I think we're in Colorado when that happened. Um, and, and we get we get back to the house. You know, we're hanging out. You know, we're thinking like everybody else is going. You know, two three weeks, this thing's going to blow over. It'll be fine. We're watching Tiger King and baking bread, um, but. but uh, we started getting emails from kids saying, Hey, like we don't have food in Baltimore was uh, at the time was 83% free reduced lunch uh, or meals at the school. So that's breakfast and lunch. And then I think a snack in the afternoon. Um, so we said, you know what, we're going to go and start this food drive. So we started the food drive. Um, and <clears throat> from there uh, we were, you know, we showed up to the event. We we're an hour early. We didn't do really any advertisement, no like social media blast, no nothing like that. And there was already 150 uh, cars lined up uh, to an hour before. So we saw the need. We knew the need was huge. Um, so go, going from there, uh, I think we're rolling that program for about eight months. And we get to Thanksgiving. We're giving out Thanksgiving meals. 
and the Southern District of Baltimore and the uh, police officers that patrol that district uh, come to us and say, hey, there's people that can't get to your event. Uh, can we pack a bunch of food and take it down to them? It's like, yeah, absolutely. So I think they took anywhere from 50 to 100 boxes down and we're giving them out to the uh, giving them out to uh, all the local residents in that area. And from there, we put our heads together and we started the sink snack program where um, it's a six by six food box that goes in the back of uh, food of police cars. And uh, these these food boxes have QR codes on them for resources, uh, after school programs, uh, GED programs, family resource uh, opportunities. And then they're also filled full of uh, kid snacks. So uh, Chef RD and um, like uh, so Chef RD ravioli, Pop-Tarts, Nutri-Grain bars, Oreos, you know, things that kids are really going to eat. Because if you get a, if you gave a six-year-old me a carton of eggs, I'm throwing them at a stop sign. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. not going to go and make the food. Um, but, but so it was just a resource to be able to, to give to these kids. Um, and also it acted as an olive branch uh, for the police and the community because of the time, uh, you know, that, that situation was, was very, um, just very up and down, you know, everything you saw on TV was, you know, cops are shooting people and there's only bad cops and yada, yada. And when in reality, you know, there are bad cops, but not all cops are bad. Um, and so that really started to bridge the divide between uh, the kids and the officers. And we had an officer actually stop us in, in one of the little Italian restaurants there in Baltimore said, Hey, are you Bradley and Nikki? And like, yeah, because we, we um, pack food boxes uh, for your sink snack program. Uh, and we also distribute them too. And he goes, I'll tell you, these sink snack boxes have changed our lives because we used to pull into these communities and kids would scatter. He goes, now we pull in these community, these communities and kids flock to the cars. Um, and you know, they, they're cause they know they only have so many boxes. Uh, so it's just been a great olive branch for these officers to be able to give to give to the community. Uh, and then now we've brought that to CMPD into the Charlotte area. And it's just, it's been awesome here. Uh, officer Edwards, um, has been running that program and just doing an amazing job with it. And, uh, you know, we're just so excited to see where this program goes from there, but yeah, so that's, that's the, the long version, the short, long version of, uh, of where we're at with our foundation. Now we got started. Yeah, no, it's great to hear. And we're, we're glad that you have brought that to the Charlotte area. You've kind of talked about it. You guys have packed the meal bags for Thanksgiving. You hosted a Halloween party that went back to your foundation. You guys are hosting a holiday light extravaganza in a couple, I think a week or two. Um, and you say you go and help some of these kids that have been kind of at a crossroads. And I know you've been at a crossroads in your football career at one point. What does giving back mean to you personally? Um, you know, I think we're all blessed with the platform. Um, you know, where, whether you're on your JV football team or you're an NFL football player or you're in the marching band or you're, you know, your typical businessman, um, you know, wh- whatever, whatever it may be, um, you know, everyone has a platform. And our platform is so huge being an NFL football player. Uh, we've always believed of using that platform and making sure that that platform um, is used to its fullest ability. Um, and we encourage other people to also use their platform and grow that platform. Um, but, yeah, it just it means the world to us to be able to have this opportunity you know god's blessed us in so many ways and you know to be able to give back and to to show these kids that you know they're they're deserving and they're they're just as equal as everyone else um you know our our biggest beliefs are our pillars are food education and opportunity and you know those three things really set a kid up and help them strive in this world Well, we got Panther Center, Bradley Bozeman joining us on Panthers on Tap. 
I want to get into a couple of questions here about the other side of what you do, and that's on the football field, Bradley. So we've seen the reports that you turned down more money to come to Carolina. Why Charlotte? What brought you to this area? What intrigued you about Queen City? You know, we just we believe in this place. Uh, we re- we everything when we came here, we saw what, what um, uh, Scott Fitter was trying to do. We saw what this organization was about. Uh, they want to win. They want to turn this program around. We want to help turn this program around. Uh, we feel like we fit here. We feel like everything in this community, everything on this team, uh, is just just speaks volumes to who we are and what we're about. Uh, so you know, we just we wanted to be here. Uh, we wanted to to show what we can do. Um, and, you know, hopefully we just continue to do that and continue to try to make an impact in this community as well. Now, you you got an injury in training camp. Um, you started all you started at center last year in Baltimore. You come here um, early in the season. You know, you're healthy. What was that feeling like not be able to be out there with your guys, but you were on the sidelines having started in Baltimore? What was that feeling like? You know, it's it's it was um, it was definitely frustrating for me, um, but but just knowing um, how everything is and how the NFL works, it's all about opportunity. Um, when those opportunities are limited, whenever you come in uh, and you're uh, you know you, you have an injury or, or you miss time, whatever it may be, you know that's that's part of the game. That's that's part of how it is. Um, but you know, we always we always focus on what we can control. You know, everything we control. Bring your your best attitude to work every day. Bring your best work ethic. Uh, bring everything that you bring to the table to the table whenever it's your turn to go. Um, so you know, whether that's in practice, you know, you get an opportunity to get in the game, whatever it may be. Um, and we just just stay consistent and just stayed who we are. Um, and then that opportunity finally opened up for us. So. Yeah, talk about that. I think it was week seven when you were named the starter. What was that like with your wife? I I know I've seen other reports that it got it was pretty emotional when you you finally got uh you know called the starter. Yeah, you know I got I got the call um and you know said that they were going to make the change, um and you know I, I, I think Nikki was on the phone at the time, so I went on the back porch. I took a call. Um, I walked back in. I think I had tears in my eyes and. Um, I looked at it. It's like we just got the call. It's like we're 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 the guy, um, and it was it was just awesome. It was a great moment. You know, we've this has been a it's been a, a ride of a of a uh, of a year, um, but you know it's it's just just being consistent and doing the things that you need to do every single day uh, pay off. You know, and they 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 always shine through. So uh, no matter the opportunity, no matter what what happens, just being yourself. Um, I, I think that was was just huge for us here. Uh, and yeah, that, that day was, it was an emotional day. I think we, we sat there just like held each other and it was, oh, it was, it was a great day. Now talk about it. You said it's been kind of a whirlwind season and you, for you starting, I mean, you've, you've been with PJ Walker, you've been with Baker at quarterback starting. Now it's back to Sam Darnold as a center, just in the position, how hard is that going from a QB and kind of bouncing around at quarterbacks? Cause you have that exchange with them every play. Yeah. I don't think it's really as big of a deal as everybody makes it. Um, you know, it's my job is to make sure the snap is on point, uh, to make sure the communication is clear. It's concise. Um, it's, um, it's excellent. You know, you got to make sure you're, you're on point. Um, and you just got to get the ball and you got to protect your quarterback, you know, and, and no matter who's back there, it doesn't matter who it is. Um, you know, you, 
you know that you have to give them the best opportunity that you can. Um, and I, I think we've, as an offensive line, we've done that this year. You know, we've continued to stay consistent and try to be the be the best version of ourselves, no matter who who was back there. Because we know we have trust in every single one of those guys. Um, you know, and th- those guys came to work every single day. We had multiple rotations of of getting snaps and making sure we were on point. Because injuries happen in in every every team. You know, it, it doesn't really matter um, what team in the NFL injuries happen. So. You know, we were prepared for that, and um, it, it's been a it's been a great it's been a great opportunity to just compete and uh, to figure out who we are and just try to take a little bit more pride every single game um, as to how we protect and who we are as, as offensive line. Now, where does that mentality come from in the game? Because you kind of seem like this, like teddy bear, like everyone loves type of guy off the field. But when you get on the field, I mean, you are a dog out there. I mean, that this run game has really stepped up really since you've taken over that center position, but where do you, where do you channel that? Uh, when you get into the game, you just, it's just like a switch flipped. Yeah, I, I definitely think it is. It's uh, you know, as soon as the, the chin strap gets buckled up, it's a, I feel like it sometimes it's like a, a different for me. Um, you know, it's just a mentality and a, a dog that you ever just you have in you you know some people some people have it and um, I feel like I'm one of those people that have it so you know I just I just continue to be myself off the field and do the things that that I think's right and uh, just and then when I get on the field is just to go and, and ball out and be who I am be physical be strong be big um, and just be that leader um, for this team and just continue to work every single day try to try to perfect my craft and uh, just just work well, I'll try to get you out here early. I got a couple more questions real quick. What has James Campen meant to your career? Oh, just he's been huge. Um, you know, this this league, there's there's some good good offensive line coaches, but I'll put James Campen in in the great category. I mean, he is he is everything that you want in an offensive line coach. He's true, he's honest, um, he's a man of his word. Um, he, he's not gonna sugarcoat anything, he's gonna be direct. He's going to bring things to the table that you've never thought of. Um, he played in the league for, you know, what is it, six, eight years, um, even maybe longer. Uh, he understands the game. You know, he, he's he's everything that you want your own offensive line coach to be. And, you know, he, he's definitely been a huge impact. One of the big reasons that I came to this uh, organization, uh, just because I knew no matter what happened, that I would I would grow as a football player this year uh, with him. And, and I have definitely done that this year. And then let's talk about Steve Wilkes. What has Steve Wilkes done or what about him has you guys buying into this team? And, you know, you're, you guys are a game or two games out of the division at this point in the NFC South. But what about him as a coach um, and a man has got you guys buying in in the locker room? Um, I think the biggest thing, he's a matter of, matter of fact coach. You know, he, he's not going to share good things. He's going to be direct. He's going to tell you what we suck at. He's going to tell you what we're good at. Um, you know, he's just, he's going to be real with you. Um, and I think everyone respects that everyone uh, admires that about him. You know, even, even if it's not, he always talks about either being your buddy or being your friend. He goes, and you know, a lot of people have buddies, but whenever you have a friend, they tell you how it is. They tell you direct, um, they tell you to, to pick your crap up whenever you need to pick it up. Um, and he, he's definitely, he's a friend to, to all of us, uh, in that regard. So, uh, I just, I just think he's been a great leader for us. He's been, he's been the guy for the job, and um, he's, <clears throat> he hasn't looked back. You know, he's hit it with a full head of steam, and I think he's doing everything uh, in his power to make sure that we're, we're in a good situation when the end of the season comes around. All right, last one. I know there's five games left in the season, but I gotta ask you: Do you hope to be in Carolina next year? 
Um, you know, I hope so. I hope we're here. Um, you know, we love this place. This place is awesome. It's been home for us for a year. Um, you know, I, I really feel like we're settling in here very nicely. Um, you know, unfortunately, this this thing is a business. Um, but you know, it's just uh, just one of those things that uh, we hope that it, it comes around. But if not, we completely understand. Um, you know, this place has been been home to us, and we're just we're going to continue to work and do the things that we need to do and make the impact that we can um, until that time comes around. So we hope it, we hope it comes around. But um, but if not, we we completely understand. Well, we hope so, too. So, Scott, if you're listening to this, we love Bradley. We love your wife. We love everything you guys do for the community. Your play on the field. You guys are great people. So thank you so much for giving us the time. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. This week, we're going with Bryson's pick again. He's won two straight. So if you are a sports better, you better listen up. He's got the Vikings. They're a two-point underdog. I can't believe it to the Detroit Lions. He is taking the Vikings to cover the spread, win that game. He's got the Vikings this week, so put bets on them. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code TPPN. All right, Bryson. Bye week is in the books, but it was a busy one regarding the team off the field and their former coach. So let's get into that because literally Matt Rule decided to go on a world tour and break some of his opinion. And I don't know if you want to call it news or what, but he did that literally after we dropped the episode. So we haven't been able to talk about it. Um, and I know I'm sure you have a lot to say. So let's get into it. So Matt Rule went on Peter Schrager's podcast it had been about a week and a half ago by now. Um, and he had some damning things, I thought. I mean, he went out and said that he would have taken a different job, which was kind of shocking to me. Um, but I do want to read his full quote. Um, he said, it was a great place, wonderful people, but I just don't know if I was a fit there at the end of the day. We talked about, hey, we're going to have a four-year plan, a five-year plan. If you tell me, hey, we got a two-year plan, then I'm going to go sign a bunch of free agents and do it. So what was a four-year plan became a two-year and five-game plan real quick. Um, and then, so that was the Peter Schreiger comments. And then he went on Rich Eisen that we shared on our Twitter. I think it was the same day. It was earlier in the day. But basically what he said was, um, Eisen asked him about if he would have drafted a quarterback earlier or should have drafted a quarterback early. And he said, I wasn't the GM. I didn't make the picks. He brought up uh, Justin Fields. He brought up Mac Jones. He said there really wasn't a good quarterback in that draft. And then he caught himself and then mentioned yeah. those two guys and said, oh, they kind of been starting to catch on. Um, 
But anyway, just kind of a wrap up of kind of deflecting blame. So what were your thoughts on, on, on his comments? Yeah, it's, it's a lot different departure style from uh, Ron Rivera. And I think that that kind of says a lot about who each of these people are. Um, you know, all, all of the reports have come out since Matt Rose left of the of the control he had from the social media team to down to the final roster decisions. It was known um, by many close to the organization that Matt Rule did have final roster say. Um, and, and I think he had a quote where he said he didn't make unilateral decisions, which technically is correct. That means he made the decisions on his own with nobody else's input and didn't care what anybody else thought. I'm sure he collaborated with, Scott Fitterer and Herney and Tepper on, on certain decisions. But at the end of the day, Matt Rule was the one that signed off on it for it to happen. So for him to deflect blame like he has and, and do this tour where he's, he's, you know, he, he keeps just running his mouth. Um, I think, I think Carolina fans just need to Will Smith them and, and, and keep my team's name out of your fucking mouth and slap them right in the face uh, is, is, is what he needs. Uh, you know, they split up, move on. You got your job at Nebraska. You're going to ruin that program as well. So uh, I'm sure at the end of the day, you know, um, you're going to be doing interviews in two or three years about Nebraska and how you didn't have final decisions on scouting and, and some crazy shit like that. Um, this man needs serious mental health help. Uh, he is a pathological liar. He was from day one in Carolina. He lied about Cam Newton. He lied – about so many other things um, on this roster and, and on this team. Uh, I'm, I'm happy he's gone out of Carolina. I do not want anybody in Carolina that has anything to do with Matt Rule or any player that is a Matt Rule guy. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, those players are probably going to be cancerous to this team. And I'm just I, – I want him gone. Uh, Matt Rule has had zero accountability um, throughout this whole process. And it really shows what kind of man he is. Um, not really setting a great example for for his son, in my opinion, uh, with the lack of accountability that he's shown. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm glad he's gone, and I do not ever want to see him in Charlotte again. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but you said at the end of the day, just like him about 100 times, and it was fantastic. But I don't know if you <laughs> intentionally did that. But anyway, I was disappointed, to be honest. Everyone knows that I was, you know, I've supported Rule in his time here, wanted to see the third season, but I was hoping he was going to take some accountability because he fucked up at the QB position, most important position in the NFL, and he had a big hand in that, whether he wants to admit it at, or not, and he fucked up time and time again, which really held this team back and was his demise for this football team. So that was a little disheartening. Um, you know, Darren Gant, when Scott Fitter was hired, he put out an article on Panthers.com that literally showed an outline and and went into detail that Matt Rule had final say in the roster. I mean, the article's out there. Darren Gant works for the team. So I don't think he's going to put that out there. With, and, you know, that's that was a lie. Yeah. Um, so a little confused why Matt Rule said that. In his defense, a little bit. I'm just going to go a little bit into it. I do believe David Tepper's messaging was piss poor, and I don't think that can go unnoticed because, and I kind of tweeted this out when it happened, but I also thought Matt Rule's comments were ridiculous. But 
you know, David Tepper, when he hired Matt Rule, said, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. That's literally what he said in the, you know, the introductory press conference. And this was going to take time. This was part of a rebuild. And then even last year after he, through his support, after taking months of not saying anything, through his support in the spring behind Matt Rule for that third season, he said this rebuild could take five years. He said that last year. So I can kind of see where Matt Rule gets that. But again, you got a seven-year deal. Your team was shit for two years. You knew you had to win. Uh, I think it was just him piling up excuses and deflecting blame, which was really kind of annoying for me because it, for a guy who supported him and then to see him not to take any accountability was really frustrating. And I get it. He had a lot of haters out there, but um, kind of got a man up and, you know, just, you know, fall on the sword a little bit because there was a lot of things that he did that were wrong. And um, it was just disappointing to see, really, to be totally honest. With and you. and the funny part about it to me is, is he was talking like he didn't take big shots that quarterback like well if I knew it was a two-year plan I would have went out there and and signed the free agents and trade and made these blockbuster trades and and all, and all of that you you went and you traded the farm for Sam Darnold mm-hmm. you went and you traded for Baker Mayfield you signed Teddy Bridgewater to a 60 million dollar contract you cut Cam Newton uh I mean you made moves that you thought were good at the time obviously well and, and they went out they went out and tried to get Stafford and they went yeah. out and tried to get Watson and those were you know Matt Rule said you know if if we if I knew it was a two year if it was a two year deal or a two year plan I would have signed some big name for agents well they tried to do that and they just <laughs> failed at it so exactly that that's where, again, no, that's where like the mixed messaging comes in. And we've talked about this on the show where were the Panthers in a full rebuild or were they in a win now mode? I mean, you go back to the Stefan Gilmore trade, you go back to the CJ Henderson trade midseason, like those moves, it was very confusing at points where it was like, okay, they're like trying to make a move midseason to make a run when they were, you know, three and whatever they were last year. Like, yeah. So I feel like, all over the place, the messaging across the board from the front office down was very confusing in that respect. And Matt Rule took a very unorthodox approach to the quarterback position where you typically see a new coach or a rookie coach come in and take a rookie quarterback, and he did not do that, which is insane. And no one's really done that before, and clearly it didn't work out. So, yeah. He definitely should have fallen on the sword and manned up, or he should have just shut the hell up and not said a damn thing and went on to Nebraska and it went to Ben as big of a deal. And, you know, fans would have had their own reservations anyways and their own opinions about what had happened. So I feel like he just stirred the pot even more. Didn't make the situation better at all for himself. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So let's talk. We got enough about that. Do you want to talk about anything? I, there was some other stuff he did say that we haven't touched on. Um, there was, you know, he kind of st- took a little bit of, he took some credit for, you know, the culture Steve Wilkes was building, yeah. um, which I feel like he worded that poorly. I think he was trying to get across that, you know, he brought some of these players in and he wasn't getting enough credit for that, which I kind of do agree with, but he does, he does not get any credit for what Steve Wilkes has done over the last, what he's been with this team, seven games now. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't deserve any credit for that whatsoever. So um, Steve Wilkes has done a hell of a job and, you know, 
what he can for this team with the players he's had. So you just gotta. It's just it's disappointing. I'll just keep it at that. It is. It's, it was a disappointing um, a week and a half world tour, and I, I I don't know if I tweeted this out and deleted it or if I put it in the drafts, but I said. And Matt Rule's going on a world tour. David Tepper should see if he can get him to perform at Bank of America Stadium. You can take that. <laughs> There's a lot of inside jokes within that one statement there. But anyway, let's move on. He's at Nebraska. And if Fuck you want to be if you want to be entertained, go look at John Ellis's Twitter account. So <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Let's talk about Baker Mayfield because Baker is no longer on this team, which is crazy. I <laughs> If we were betting, would you have would you have said during the bye week he'd be gone? Not a chance in hell. What um, a uh, what a situation um, that's been in Carolina. Uh, you know, coming into the offseason with you and I both having just the ultimate hope for this team and uh, for Baker Mayfield to be released by the bye week, um, week thirteen, and uh, his his final stats. To look like 1,300 passing yards, six touchdowns, and six interceptions, and a PFF grade of a 52. Uh, you know, that's something I would have never guessed and that I would have called you crazy and slapped you, and and I've done all kinds of stuff. But we're here, unfortunately, sitting at four and eight, uh, two games out of first place in the division, but at four and eight, and Baker's claimed by the Rams, the Los Angeles Rams, and, you know, everybody on Twitter says, you know, he gets the fresh start, which we thought that's what Carolina was going to be for him. Maybe McVay can work wonders and make him look like a, a competent quarterback, but he did not look like a competent quarterback in Carolina. Struggled in very many areas uh, that, you know, all fans have seen um, throughout his play with the batted balls, with the interceptions, with the overthrows and the underthrows. It's just didn't look good in Carolina. And, you know, I wish him the best because – from all all accounts, he was a great teammate. His, you know, Shaq Thompson talked about it. His teammates loved him, uh, but he just it didn't work out in Carolina. So, uh, no hatred for Baker for me. Um, just wish him the best, and and you know maybe it does work out in LA, and that'd be good for him. But I think you know it was it was best for both uh, both situations for for Baker's situation and for Carolina's situation to just move on. I think they saved about a million and a half against the cap. And, uh, and and Baker gets another fresh start and, and a chance to right the ship that's been wrong for a couple of years now. Yeah, I had conviction for Baker. I'll tell you what, this has been the year of wrongs for me. It really has of, of me throwing support behind. I was people. I was right there with you. So, but I was right there with you. I mean, I, I picked Baker. I'll admit it. I picked Baker in our pre or in our early, uh, before season projections. I think I had him as the MVP of this team, and here we are. He's no longer on the roster, which is insane to me. It. Um, I think Steve Wilkes put it best. I don't think Baker Mayfield failed here. He just wasn't a good fit. It just yeah. didn't work out. I think he said it didn't work out. I can't remember his exact quote. But, yeah, it just, you know, he came in, had a, you know, rush through the playbook. He was splitting reps in training camp. Then he got the job. You know, it, you thought he would have came out, you know, whooped up on Cleveland. They fell short there, and then it kind of just spiraled from there. He really didn't look comfortable in this offense from the get-go in week one he looked all right in training camp and I, there was promises 
but he just never could get his footing with this team between the batted balls, uh, you know, missing guys on routes, just not having chemistry with uh, DJ Moore and not seeing him during games. It, it was very disappointing again for a guy who, you know, in 2020 looked like a top 15 quarterback and then got injured in 21. And then you thought, you know, maybe that was, you know, Baker struggling in 2021 was because of that injury to his shoulder. And then he comes here healthy, kind of rushed into things, not a lot of time to get the playbook under his feet. And it just did not work out. Um, frustrating because I, I thought he could turn his career around here. And I thought potentially I was talking to JJ earlier today. I thought potentially this could be a, you know, the place where he'd resurrect his career and, you know, maybe get into a long-term extension. And that was just not the case whatsoever. So it sucks. Um, if you look at the silver lining in it, got rid of Matt rule. So you can thank yeah. him for that. I, I think I saw you thanking Baker for that on Twitter. I was, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it sucks. It's kind of where this season has gone. I, if I was betting a million dollars, who was going to last longer in Carolina, Sam Darnold or Baker? I would have put a million dollars on Baker. I really would have. Same. And you know, here we are. Sam Darnold starting this week. PJ's the backup, and Baker Mayfield is might be landing as we speak and shaking hands with Sean McVay with Los Angeles Rams, which is insane. It's crazy. The, and the ultimate sad part is back to what you mentioned about our, our preseason projections. I think my preseason MVP was Christian McCaffrey <laughs> and now neither are on the team. That is just so crazy to think, you know, what, how much can change during one season. Um, and the Panthers just look like a totally different team. Uh, on offense, at least. So, uh, ready for yeah. a fresh start in Carolina. Yeah, I do want to talk. You mentioned it, but I do want to bring this up because he doesn't get enough credit for it. He was the pros pro this year, Baker Mayfield. You heard all of the bullshit, and you know the. I would say it seemed like attacks against him, as you know, he was a cancer in the locker room in Cleveland and a poor teammate and hanging out, staying up all night, playing Xbox and all this shit. And he came here and maybe that stuff was true. But when he came here, I think it was a wake up moment for him. And he really, st he stayed grounded. He wasn't too flashy. He still had his, you know, he still had his Baker moments. He still had the t-shirts for week one. He still had the head butts on video. That's Baker. That's never going to change. That's kind of how where he got to and why he was successful in college and then early on in the NFL. And but he was a good teammate. I mean, I you go back to the videos in the Camp Confidential and him coaching up Matt Corral. We all seen the videos that were cut. Him, him being on Matt Corral's, you know, left hip in training camp and you know, kind of showing him the ways of a rookie. Like Baker in the Browns was and th that never happened here. We only know what we know in Carolina. He was he was a damn good teammate. He never bitched. He never complained about being benched. You know, P.J. Walker coming in, a guy from the XFL starting a couple games, and then Baker coming back in, and then Sam Darnold starting again. He was a pro's pro, and I commend him for how he treated this team, the players, you know, his time with Shaq Thompson and those guys driving down to training camp together. He 
he was the ultimate pro for this team. So I give him a ton of credit for that because he gets slandered way too much in the public eye. But let's get to let's get to the game this weekend because Panthers have had a bye now. Uh, they've gotten a long look at Seattle. Seattle's looking like a pretty good team right now. Geno Smith is playing his best of his career right now. Top of the league, top 10 in the league and quarterback play. And, you know, they have weapons. They got a lot of weapons on offense. And they got, you know, it's a Pete Carroll run defense. That defense is solid, too. This is a tough test this weekend. On the road in Seattle, Carolina has not won a road game. And they have to go out west in a very hostile environment. We all know what it's like playing on that field. It's loud. It's hard. you got to over-communicate. Wilkes talked about it today. But this is going to be Steve Wilkes barring, you know, the Cincinnati and the Ravens game. This is his biggest test, I think, of the year is this week. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know what the number is that you have on the game, but uh, currently I think the Seahawks are favored by three and a half, uh, according to ESPN, but the DraftKings Sportsbook um, number I don't have in front of me, um, if you'll pull that out for me. But yeah, uh, I think it started at six and a half as the Seahawks were favored. So the numbers dropped, and I think that might be due to Kenneth Walker's injury. I'm not sure if he's playing or not. Four and a half they're favored by on DraftKings Sportsbook. Okay, um, so the numbers dropped uh, in in both sports books. Uh, so you know maybe maybe there's it, it's playing into Gino hasn't looked the best as as of late um, as or better than he uh, he hasn't looked as good as he looked earlier in the season. But uh, but yeah, I think that this is going to be Steve Wilkes' biggest test, and in, in, in my opinion, um, to see how he gets the team to play after a bye week. Um, versus a a team with a winning record in a away game on the West Coast in a, a place where historically the Panthers don't win. Um, is This is pretty much him auditioning for his job, I think. Uh, and and if, he, if there's any way he can go out there and get a win, uh, it's going to be really hard for David Tepper and, and a lot of us fans to, to not roll with Wilkes. I mean, he's – we've seen the Panthers struggle after bye weeks the past couple of years under Matt Rule and under Ron Rivera. Um, they just haven't historically been good after bye weeks. So if Wilkes can get the team locked in and and really show that they know this is a well-coached team and they come out and, and they play a good game versus Seattle, I mean, maybe if – even if they don't even win, if they're competitive and, and you know, it's down to the wire, that that might be enough for, for Tepper to consider um, Wilkes – very, very heavily if he's not already uh, for for the for the uh, future in Carolina. So I'm excited for the game. I know you know the Saints' loss last night kind of hurt um, the Panthers' hopes a little bit, but the Bucks have the 49ers and the Bengals still. Um, even with Brock Purdy at quarterback for the 49ers, they're still a very good team. Uh, the Bengals are playing the best ball they've played all year, and then they ha- and then the Bucks have Carolina again. So ultimately, I think Carolina still controls their own destiny in this division. If Carolina takes care of their business, I believe other things are going to fall into place to where if they win, then Carolina can absolutely still win this division. So uh, it's a it's an important game. And I think playing these important games in December is really all we can ask for from a 4-8 team. At least we're not watching a game just to, of no importance and 
uh, just hoping we lose for draft stock, which we were doing earlier in the season. So uh, we're, we're in a position to where, you know, if we win, things can get interesting depending on what happens with the Bucks, and, uh, and, and I'm happy. I'm happy about that, and, and I hope they come out and they look great. Uh, and hopefully the defense plays as, as well as they have for the past couple of weeks. This is one of the better offenses in the league. Um, even without Kenneth Walker, they still, they still have a pretty talented running back room. And uh, of course, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, two of the two of the best receivers in the league, uh, top twenty receivers, and they got their hands full. And and we'll see if if this team is locked in. And like I said, uh, starting this whole entire tangent, this is Steve Wilkes' opportunity to prove that he deserves the head coach uh, for more than this season. Yeah, I think this is where it starts for him. December. What does he do in December with this team? You know, if they go off and rip, you know, four or five wins off, win out or, you know, get four, I think he's got a pretty good shot at contending for this job. And it's going to be hard for fans to, if David Tepper doesn't go with him, you I, you know, I bring one guy to mind, we've talked about him before, and that's Rich Basachi with what he did with Oakland when John Gruden, you know, was fired last year. You know, the Raiders ripped off some wins, they end up making a wild card, and the players loved him too. And they ended up not going that route. And look where they are now with that team. So it'll be interesting. I think the December games, this is kind of where Ron Rivera made his money, was, you know, December, late November, December games, finishing strong on the season. I think Wilkes has to do the exact same thing. And it starts this week, and Panthers haven't won back-to-back games. That's another thing they're working towards. So this is a this is a good eye test to kind of see where Wilkes is at. And you know the wins got to come if he wants to win. If he wants to win that job, the wins got to come, and it's going to start this weekend. Um, and, and one thing that I didn't mention is, uh, you know, it, it'll be exciting to see if Sam Darnold can can build off of, you know, the week that he had last week and continue to play turnover free ball and and make the passes when he has to and just not make mistakes. The Seahawks defense isn't very good. It's the 27th ranked defense in the league. So it's not like he's going to be facing a defense as good as the Broncos was that he played well against. So if if he can put together another game um, of turnover free football, I believe the Panthers have a decent chance to win this game. Um, if they can get that run game going, which plays a huge part. We know if if Foreman doesn't get at least twenty touches, that offense looks like it's it it doesn't function correctly. So they have to get Foreman going, and they have to and Sam Darnold has to play turnover free ball. And if that happens, uh, I truly believe Carolina can win this game. Yeah, I'm just looking at it, and we'll do predictions here, and then we got a little bit more to talk about. But Seattle. You know, Seattle lost to Tampa Bay, so that gives me a little hope. But then they went out and beat, you know, they beat the Rams this past weekend, obviously without Stafford in there. But, I mean, that Walford guy, he 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 was dialing it up for, for L.A. I think that's a former Wake quarterback, too, for the Rams there, oh. if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, so – you know they've been kind of they've had you know kind of a roller coaster ride, but the, you know they've ride they've ridden that wave. I think they're what are they seven and five on the year? Seattle is. I think that's right. Yeah. So, yep. what do you got? Who's winning this game? 
Um, well, just real quick, you know, I was looking at multiple different places. Seattle's defense is anywhere ranked from 27th to about 29th, uh, depending on what website you look at. So uh, their defense is bottom tier of the league. So uh, I really believe that this team is buying into what Wilkes is preaching. And I know I've been on the other side of I prefer a different head coach and, um, and a fresh start top to bottom for this team. But if they go into Seattle and they beat the Seahawks, a team with a winning record who's played really good football this season, I I think I'm going to hop on the Wilkes train. And, and I think that they do that. Uh, this team is buying in. Uh, Brian Burns has really made me look stupid this year, I have to say. Um, I'm, I'm really eating crow on, on my Brian Burns take, which, you know what, I'm perfectly fine with that. Same thing with the Derek Brown take I had. Uh, I'll eat crow it, happily if it means my team benefits from it. So uh, Burns hopefully can make a, a difference in this game like he has the past couple of weeks. Uh, the defense is going to carry Carolina. If the defense doesn't play well, they, they don't have a chance in this game. So uh, I think it's going to be a close one, uh, probably, you know, mid-20s. So I'm going to go Carolina 23, Seahawks 20. While I'm making my pick, can you look up Seattle's defense against the run? Because I don't know yep. what it is. Yep. But I want to be optimistic, but I'm going to stick on the – I'm going to be reluctant here because Carolina just – they've struggled on the road. And until they prove it otherwise, I I just can't get myself to pick them. Um you know, they lost 13 to three versus the Ravens. It was a low scoring game. You know, if they had an offense that week, they probably would have won that game. They struggled on the road against Cincinnati. I can't, you can't forget about that game. I mean, it was 42 21 in absolute, you know, blood fest. It was brutal. It sucked. Yeah. It was the worst game of the season. It, and that was three weeks ago. I mean, that's, that's how far we're, are not, it's not that far removed. So that's what makes me reluctant. I'm a little scared about Sam Darnold in a hostile environment in Seattle. I feel like pressure gets to him. That worries me a little bit. If they do win this game, the running game has to be existent. They got to put up 100 yards rushing. That running game needs to be there or this team, I don't think, goes anywhere on offense. And the Seahawks are giving up 155 yards a game rushing. So, so that is helpful. Another thing is... Seattle's wide receivers. I watched the red zone this weekend and I have a lot of Seattle Seahawks on my fantasy team. So I was cued into those games. That offense looks pretty damn good. And Noah Fant is starting to click with Geno Smith. So now you add Noah Fant in with the mix. Yeah. And if Walker looks like he might, I'm not sure if he's going to be out this game or not, but it looks like he's injured. You have DK Metcalf, who's playing really well right now. And you have Tyler Lockett, who is. I mean, the guy's got wheels and, and, you know, he stretches the field. So that worries me. And I know J.C. Horn can probably lock down D.K. Metcalf, but I'm a little worried about C.J. Henderson going against Lockett. I'm a little worried about um, Heath Taylor going against some of these guys wearing there in the mix. So that concerns me. If the defense plays like it did last week and they got a run game and they play like they did versus Denver, I think they got a chance in this game. But – I just I don't see it yet, and until they prove me wrong, I'm gonna have to go with Seattle. 
which I hate, and I hope I hope I am wrong. I really do. I'm gonna go low scoring. What'd you say the score was gonna be? Twenty three twenty. Twenty three twenty. I'll go. Twenty-one. No, they're not going to score three touchdowns. That's crazy. Um, hmm. Let's go twenty-four twenty. Seattle wins twenty-four twenty. Okay. Did you say twenty-three twenty? Yeah. Okay, twenty-four twenty. And and in in regards to uh, Kenneth Walker, Pete Carroll said on Monday that. He's dealing with a right ankle strain uh, and that he could be available for the Panthers game, though the team can't confirm his status yet. Uh, he called the injury unusual and that it's a good sign that the rookie running back hasn't been ruled out for week 14, um, but the injury is unusual. So whatever that means. Yeah, if he isn't out there, that could help. Yeah, that could help. Uh, that could help some for the defense, but we shall see. Let's talk enough about the game. Let's talk. We, Will Levis, you don't know him by now, Kentucky quarterback. Some hate him, some love him. <laughs> That's kind of how these guys go. Uh, there was a report out there, I forgot who it was by, but it said that David Tepper was in love, uh, liked him. So just something to keep in mind. But anyway, Will Levis was on the Twitter spaces last week with Adam Brenneman. If you guys don't know who Adam Brenneman is, check him out. He does great things. I listened to him a lot last year when Kenny Pickett was coming up. He had a really good podcast with Kenny Pickett. Give him a listen wherever you get your guys' podcast. He does some good work. Um, but anyway, they had Will Levis in the Twitter spaces, and I got lucky enough to talk and ask a question to him. Sorry, I just saw a notification about Sean Payton, and I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> but anyway, Will Levis, I asked, I got to ask him, I asked him a two-part question. I asked him, you know, what, what type of player and person teams would be getting if they drafted him. And then I also asked him as a follow-up if he had to compare himself to him to anyone in the NFL who he'd compare himself to. And, you know, he talked about him as a player, you're going to get a, you know, a no bullshit kind of guy, a, you know, a fighter, a dog who's going to grind every week, um, kind of plays with a chip on his shoulder type mentality. And then for the player he compared himself to was Josh Allen, which is, you know, oh guys, everyone likes a comparison. You, you see it every year in the draft. And he said he figured the question was coming. But yeah, he said Josh Allen. He feels like he, you know, he's got the big arm. Um, you know, he's gonna give it his all, go out there, uh, and he, he ain't afraid to hit anyone. You know that type of mentality of a quarterback. So, uh, Bryce, I just wanted to get your thoughts um, just initially on those comments and kind of what what you've seen or like or hate about Will Levis. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't. Uh... You know, hate the comment. I guess he's he's got to have confidence, and if he doesn't believe in himself, then nobody else will. But as far as it goes for Will Levis, I just don't see what the hype is uh, about him. Um, my comparison for him would be Sam Darnold. Uh, he is big. He's got an arm. Um, will Levis's best season in college. He threw twenty four touchdowns, thirteen interceptions, which was in twenty twenty one. 
This year he threw 2,400 yards, 19 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions uh, with a QBR of 60, which is 61st in the country uh, in college football. I just don't understand uh, the hype behind him. I get that scouts are saying that he has less talent and are surrounding him and that his, you know the coaching staff isn't doing its best for him. But what has he shown on paper or in a game consistently that has warranted a top 10 pick? I just don't see it. Uh, I don't think that the Panthers should waste a pick on Will Levis. I would rather roll with Matt Corral than draft Will Levis. I think there's really not that much of a difference between the two. Um, and, you know, I, I would rather have Anthony Richardson than Will Will Levis. Anthony Richardson at least has the running factor um, that you can't coach. Uh, he has an elite elite speed. He's probably going to be one of the fastest quarterbacks ever uh, to run the 40-yard dash if he elects to run it at, at the combine. Uh, and, and he has an, a strong arm like Will Levis does. Uh, and I guess the intrigue with Levis is the style of offense he's played in in college, which is kind of like a pro-style offense running the NFL. But he hasn't done anything in it. So I, I just don't understand. I'm not on the Will Levis train, and I don't think I will be. I just hope the Panthers um, don't settle and take him wherever they're at uh, because he's going to be there. He's going to be there, and I just I just hope the Panthers don't do not do it. Yeah, I didn't mind. I didn't mind his answers. Um, he kind of beat around the bush on the first one. It seemed like it kind of. I don't know if he was ready for it. Maybe that was just me being a good, uh, a good reporter, if you want to say that. I'll take that. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I. I mean, I don't know a whole hell of a lot about him. I've seen like maybe I think one and a half, two games fully of his. I think he's got traits that are likable. He's got the big arm. Um, he makes some splash plays. It's just, you know, the consistency type of concerns me a little bit. Um, and I feel like he's not as polished as you would like coming out. And I think Carolina needs a polished quarterback that can start day one. Not saying he can't start day one, but I feel like there's a couple other guys up there that I would be more comfortable rolling out there with. And I feel like, you know, the Anthony Richardson and the Will Levis, Levises of the world, those guys might need a little bit of time. And I feel like, you know, the CJ Stroud, the Bryce Young, those guys are plug and, plug and play right away. So, again, that's not to say this guy couldn't be a great quarterback. I'm not going to make a final assessment on him because I have only seen a game. That's not a fair enough assessment at all. But just from a, you know, a a broad view. That's just kind of my assessment. And it's clear. I like Stroud and I like Young and probably prefer Young over Stroud, but we'll get there at some point on our, um, on where, where we rank some of these guys. But anyway, it's just, I thought it was, it was cool. It was cool to talk to, you know, one of the top, you know, or not, I wouldn't say, you know, top 10 prospects, but it was cool to, you know, talk to a guy that's probably going to rise up the boards I'm sure by the time we get to draft day, it always happens with all the quarterbacks. They yeah. somehow find a way to creep up. Um, it sounds like, and he already has declared for the draft. Anthony Richardson has declared already as well. Um, so we'll see as this, you know, progresses, if he plays in the, God, what's that game? What's the game they play in? I'm blanking. Reese's, whatever. I don't know. The college game. 
Mac Jones playing in it. Matt Rule coached it. What the hell is it called? Uh, the, the, the Senior Bowl? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't think of that. The Senior Bowl. We'll see, you know, a lot of times – when those guys play in that game, you know, you see some players, their, their stocks will rise and you got the combine and whatever else. But just thought I, we'd talk about that a little bit because we got to keep the draft in mind, too. I mean, Carolina's in this weird spot where they're, you know, in the playoff hunt and they're also in the hunt for a top, you know, five pick here. Right now they're sitting at six. But, I mean, you're looking at if you lose Seattle, you might as well, I mean, really – Unless Tampa Bay loses, you might as well kiss the season goodbye and, you know, start looking at mock drafts for the rest of the year, to be totally honest with you. Because, you know, winning, you know, if Carolina falls at three games behind Tampa Bay, that's going to be a tough freaking hill to climb to get back in. And I just I don't think that's realistic. But anyway, just something to think about. Draft is a good time and it's fun. And you see the mock drafts, I think. I think Dame had it the other day. If if you guys follow him on Twitter for, through Draft Breakdown or Draft Network, one of those one of those freaking platforms, I think he had Bryce Young falling to five or six to Carolina, which would be which would be beautiful. But anyway, I I, uh, I, I saw one that had Carolina taking Anthony Richardson at five. So. Uh, yeah, and I've seen that, and I've seen Will Levis taking one by Texans in a mock draft. I'm like. Please do that. Please do that, Houston. Please. <laughs> that would be interesting. That's for damn sure. I mean, could it be back-to-back years where Carolina gets their pick of, you know, the top two QBs? You know, because Carolina last year, they had the pick of the offensive lineman. I mean, they had anyone they wanted. Could it be where they have anyone they want? I mean, if someone reaches for like a Levis or, you know, one of those guys or, you know, you got to think. You know, Texans are, I mean. It's that's got to be a lock for QB. It has to be. It yeah, has I mean, they, to be. They bench Davis Mills, so I'm. They're they're moving on, and they're going to have a new head coach, and I'm sure he's going to come in and draft this guy. So, so it'll be fun. These next couple months will be interesting, and we'll see. You know where this team is headed. But again, Carolina is still in the playoff hunt, so we got to stick to that. I just wanted to mention the Will Levis thing since we got a chance to talk to him a little bit. But we just want to thank everyone for listening to. Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always, 